2001, Enron files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Dennis Tito becomes the world's first space tourist. The year becomes known as the Summer of the Shark after a number of shark attack fatalities. But for Josh Hartnett and Eric Bana, sharks are the least of their concern. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need, the need for speed. If it we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to do Welcome, everybody, to the Last Action Podcast. I'm Sphinx, and if I'm Batman, he's my Robin. Who do we got? Fuck you. <laughs> I am LPJ, your Lord and Savior. You only wish. This is all about me. You're a douchey, douche, douche turd. <laughs> Dick liquor. Yeah, whatever. You know you'd be nothing without me. Let's move on already here. Well, the movie that we are doing today, 2001, as you mentioned, Black Hawk Down. Indeed. Good old BHD. Yeah, I don't think anyone calls it that, but <laughs> if that's what you want to go with. There's probably a lot of names they call fine. this movie. You know what? Okay. So we are taking um, a little bit more serious role today because um, this movie is based on true events, and it is a war movie, which this will be the first war movie that we are doing on this podcast um, but nonetheless it came out in 2001 you know lpj i first knew you in 2001 yeah yeah about that yeah my life really would have been a lot better if that would have never happened oh really yeah i think is so. that how that works yeah i think it is it's been 17 years of life <laughs> that i can't get back well fair enough and now we've come full circle and now i have to see you quite more often during these podcasts. Hey, you signed up for this. That's true, I did. Mm-hmm. But now I've taken over as Batman. Nonetheless, so this is a Columbia picture. came out in December, so right near the end of uh, 2001, because December usually is the last month of the year. <laughs> anyway, a um, little bit of a quick history here. Okay, So this movie is about the crisis in Somalia, which for those of you that don't know your geography, Somalia is in Africa. Specifically, Eastern Africa. Thank you for that. You know, people may not know. Real crucial to the plot here. Keep going. Well, it's not actually, but nonetheless. Um, what ends up happening in real life is a resistance is growing um, in the 1980s. Um, there's military dictatorship that's ruling Somalia at the time. Um, all of these different clans, resistance, rebel groups are, are forming. They're trying to overthrow the military dictatorship, and they are successful by 1991. Then the clans start to fight each other for control. By 92, we've got the UN and the United States that's stepping in to stop this fighting among the clans. Uh, we have over 20,000 U.S. Marines that are sent there. At that point, it was estimated about 300,000 people had died from starvation and famine uh, in this country, a real mess, um, as the clans are controlling uh, and destroying all these sources of food that the U.N. is dropping into that country to help them out. So the whole world through the U.N. is trying to help and solve this problem. And that kind of sets up for the film, um, which is taking place in events in 1993. So I guess first thing, LPJ, 
what what was your first experience with this movie? Watching it for this podcast. <laughs> really? I had never seen this movie before. I knew it existed, but it was... So 2001, um, I was 21. Mm-hmm. I was single and just kind of out on my own. And, uh, and this is one of those movies that did not get on my radar. I had a lot of other things I was concentrating on, like really? college. Like what? I was going to college. Mm. I was instructing marching band, you <laughs> specifically. Yeah, which I was probably giving you a good hard time because you were a douche. Well, you were an idiot. Well, that's true. I'm actually not going to deny that. No, you were terrible. You were you were hot garbage is what you were. Well, now you're, now you're just kind of being mean. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, yeah. So, I did, did not see this movie until you said, hey, let's do, uh, let's do Black Hawk Down. You called me up. You're like, hey, hey, what are you doing? It's, 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 it's the Sphinx. Uh, uh, I know we're doing this podcast, and it's about action movies, and I kind of want to do, uh, can we do Black Hawk Down? Can we do that? Can we do Black Hawk Down? <laughs> no. And I said, listen, listen, Sphinx, if we can do Black Hawk Down, that's fine. I'll, I'll throw you this one. I... <laughs> Yeah, I love that Eric Banner guy. He's the best. So when do I sound like Stallone? And why does Stallone? <laughs> you're giving me, you're giving me a lot of credit if you think that's Stallone. Well, I mean, I can't really understand anyway. <laughs> that is not just for our, for our listeners. That is not at all at how this went whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, says you. I said. How about we work on a war movie this time around? And LPG's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, see, I can do that voice too. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, which one? I'm like, let's try Black Hawk Down. Because this is a movie that I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, I saw it my freshman year of college, which would have been either 04 or 05. Um, I took a global politics class. And so there were some clips shown from it. I don't think I saw the whole movie. Or actually, I might have liked the clips that I saw and I decided to rent it. Uh, And then I saw it then. Now, I would say that I haven't seen it since we decided to watch the movie right because that was agreed on by both of us even though you're making it sound like this is i'm me. firmly putting this movie on your shoulders whatever anyway so my class was talking about like affairs in africa so we were talking about like rwanda and Cong- in the congo and apartheid and sierra leone and all that stuff so you know it was stuff that i was really interested and curious about uh i am a hit i was a history major so you know if if i if I start to bore people on the history lessons of things, please just let me know. You know, I think this is a, this is an appropriate use of your talents in this particular episode. All right, solid. So let's start to get into who's involved in this film. So our director, um, it, when it comes to action movies, this I don't know how much more of an introduction this dude needs. It, it's Ridley Scott. Yep, Ridley Scott is the one of the fathers of action films. Him and his brother Tony. Mm-hmm. really throughout the 80s, made a lot of the classic movies, i.e. Tony Scott making Top Gun and Bad Boys and Ridley Scott doing Alien. Uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yeah, and, and a lot of the... Um, Wins an Academy Award for uh, Gladiator. That was great. That was later, though. It was later. Yeah. Well, actually, no, well, it was, it was right around the no, same year. it was 2000. Yeah. Yeah, 2000. He did Gladiator in 2000. You were yeah. absolutely correct. So this was his follow-up to Gladiator. Yeah, and most recently I had, he did The Martian. Um, he did. That was great. I love The Martian. Movie. Not yeah. an action film. Not an action film. No, and, and and I would love to talk about that film, just maybe not on this podcast. I, I just wanted to reference this was it was the last piece of work no, that they did. No, I agree, and I'm saying it's a great film. I'm agreeing with you. Then why did you give me Attitude? That was not Attitude. Attitude was when I went like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, you need to stop. So uh, the producer, 
who is probably bigger than Ridley Scott in terms of role. It's yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, Jerry Bruckheimer, father of uh, most of the modern action films. Yeah. I mean, you, you you got your Pirates of the Caribbean, your National Treasures, Beverly Hills Cop, Bad mm-hmm. Boys, The Rock, Armageddon, you know, Pearl Harbor, Top Gun. I don't know why I threw Pearl Harbor in there. Uh, <laughs> Out of all these great movies, references. I threw in Pearl Harbor. Uh, but actually, I will be bringing back Pearl Harbor later, so that's probably why I wrote it in my notes. Did you know that Brockheimer's from Detroit? I did know that, yes. I did not. I was a, Yes, I am aware of that. Yeah, he went to Mumford High School downtown, so mm-hmm. I found that interesting. He was the one that actually put um, Detroit on the radar for Michael Bay. Oh, really? Yeah. So I he, mean, he did a lot of his movies. He so. did. He brought he brought Michael Bay in for the movie The Island, mm-hmm. and uh, they were scouting locations, and, and Bruckheimer suggested Detroit. Didn't save that movie, but... The Island's actually pretty good. What? It's not bad. Okay, anyway. Uh, the film is written by Ken Nolan, which I don't know a whole lot more. He's not related to Chris Nolan, No, is he? and you need to put written by Ken Nolan in air quotes, because this film had... Several writers. I like my last count. There was about seven, and one of them was the actor Sam Shepard, who literally went and rewrote all of his own lines. Yeah, he which, did. to be honest, <laughs> his lines may have been the best in the movie. Yeah, they probably were. Um, when it comes to written by as well, it, it is based on a book. Um, the book was written by Mark Bowden, who was a reporter for I want to say the Washington Post, but I can't remember. I think I think you're correct on that. Okay, so he wrote some of the screenplay. And then for whatever reason, he was kind of out of it, gave it to Nolan, and then, as LPJ mentioned, it went all over the place from there. It did. They were continuously doing rewrites even throughout the shooting of the film. Yeah. Uh, Ken Nolan's last movie, though, that I do want to bring up. Did you catch what it was? I didn't. 2017's Transformers, the oh, last Oh, that's right. Night. That's right. They fired Aaron Kruger, and they gave, uh, they gave Ken Nolan this movie and the subsequent sequels. So Ken Nolan is going to be writing whatever is next for the Transformers series. That sounds fantastic. It's going to really work out in that franchise's favor. Well, the last two movies certainly did. Yeah, exactly. Music. The one, the only, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Hans Zimmer. He, I mean, if you don't know Hans Zimmer, you have clearly not seen a film in the last 30 years. I, I, mean, I, I have him down here. I, I said he is probably the second most popular composer for movies behind John Williams. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. He's but, written everything. Yeah, he has. So if, if you aren't aware of him, the new Batman trilogy, The Lion King, which was an interesting throw in there, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, Inception, a lot of Christopher Nolan movies. He's done all of Christopher Nolan's films. Yeah. He's done um, like all the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I, I mentioned that already. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Or maybe I didn't mention that already. Anyway, to be honest, though, I don't remember hearing a lot of a soundtrack. Do you? I, I, I'm going to play it, but it... Um, like nothing really. Let me play. Let me play it for us. Right, we'll talk right. about it. Here it is.
So, in case you didn't figure it out, Somalia is a Muslim country. Most of Eastern Africa is, since its proximity to the Middle East is, like, right across there. Uh, nonetheless, though, like, I do remember that part, because I, in- I think that's the beginning of the movie. Right? That is, yeah, that's the intro of the movie. But, but after that, I, I do not remember a whole lot of the soundtrack, no, which I- for Zimmer, I, I mean, I feel like he is always someone when it comes to his production and his soundtracks like it, it's supposed to be like a background so it's not always something that you hear or catch like when he needs that that energy and that pounciness you know he can get it i got i know i but, hear you but here's here's my very take. mood setting here's my take on on this film as a as a whole well the music or you're already jumping right into this film well uh, they tie in these two okay. points tie in gotcha so this movie I mean, it looks like a Ridley Scott film. It's got kind of that washed-out yellow, mm-hmm. which is identical to—not identical. It's very, very similar to what he did in Gladiator, Yes, but but not as good. Absolutely. This music from, from Zimmer is very similar to what he did in Gladiator, but not as good. Mm-hmm. This movie as a whole seems as if they were kind of going for that sort of look and feel, but couldn't quite pull it off. Well, you don't you don't think they pulled it off? I don't know. That's something we're going to discuss obviously later. But I'm going to discuss it through the entire episode. <laughs> Fine, whatever. The only other thing I have about music is um, they throw a lot of Elvis Presley tunes in there, which I don't really know why why that was. So there's like Suspicious Minds and something else. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, but then you know we're talking about the movie set in the early '90s, so it throws in some Stone Temple Pilots jump arounds in there a little bit while they're yep. at the Air Force Base or the military base, whatever it is. So there's I that for- kind of stuff going on. I too. forgot about that. Was there a separate soundtrack released for this? I think there was. I think there was too. You oh there was? I said I think there was. Oh I don't I, know if there was or not. I do not know for sure. I think so though. Okay. So anyway, um, now the cast. This is one of the most insane. Cast listings I I've seen in a movie. This cast Before simultane- simultaneously excites me to no end and disappoints me to no end. <laughs> so I mean, where do we want to start? I mean, there's we go all over the Just place. Read it off. All right, so I've got from the top. I've got Josh Hartnett. Yep, who is coming right off of Pearl Harbor. Unfortunately, well, but you know, Pearl Harbor was a massive movie. It was. It was and terrible, but it, was a it, it wasn't movie. good. But you know, that was one of those movies that that got male and females to to see it and whatnot. And he became the heartthrob after that. Yep. Um. So Josh Hart, Josh Hartnett, um, is I guess the the leader. I would say that's something I actually want to talk about later. Let's but I'll let's leave not even talk about character. Let's just name the. Just cast. go through them. The All cast. right. I'm gonna screw up some of their names because they always do. Do you want me to do uh, it? Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Yep. Obi Wan himself. Yep. Um, Tom Sizemore, Eric Bana, uh, William Fitcher, or Lan- William Fickner. Fickner, thank you. Thank or you. Bill Fickner, as he Bill. sometimes knows. Okay. Orlando Bloom, uh, Nikolaj Coster Waldorf. Is that yes. how you say that? AKA Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister. Tom Hardy, his very first film. Yep. Uh, Ty Burrell, who is from uh, Modern, Modern Family. Family. He's Phil Dumphy. George Harris. Jeremy Piven, Glenn Morshower. Glenn Morshower, who people will recognize from 24. Yep. Um, I feel like I'm missing. Oh, Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. And I, there's probably a couple others in there, but I didn't write them down. Yeah. Um, oh, good. what's his name? The, the other so, helicopter pilot. Uh, He's a famous character actor, too. Is he? Yes. I couldn't remember if that was the case. 
So, nonetheless, um, McGregor's character, who is also kind of one of the leading roles, he's, he's the second name that gets through the credits. His character actually isn't real. Um, what ended up happening was his character, which he, he kind of starts off in the movie as um, he's like a desk man job. So he's not really in combat or anything like that. And then this becomes his first actually live combat mission. Um, the guy that he was supposed to portray in real life is serving a 30-year prison term for child molestation. So that all came out like right around the time that the movie was filming. So they're like, you know what? We really want to disassociate ourselves from this guy. And the military actually told Scott, like, don't, I, we don't want you to bring this guy up. So they gave McGregor like a fake name, and I mean it's very, very loosely based off a real person, but that's how they decided to do that. Yes, and you, and you missed a couple people. I'm going to pull them okay. up because you may not recognize them. Ewan, uh, Ewan Bremner, he's a famous um, uh, British actor, okay. character actor. Um, Hugh Dancy, another famous British actor. Ron Eldard, he was the other helicopter pilot. He okay. was on ER for a little while. All right. Ewan uh, Gruffid, Gruffid, I can never pronounce his name properly. He was the original Mr. Fantastic in oh. the Fantastic Four. Okay. Uh, you got Jason Isaacs, a.k.a. Lucius Malfoy. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Yep, you missed him. I did. Uh, Richard Tyson's another famous character actor. There's a lot of really good, solid act. Gregory Sporlander, or, uh, uh, Sporlander, he's another great character actor. Orlando Bloom, you said, yep. who lasted all of five minutes in this movie. Yes, he did. Uh, there's a lot of really, really good, solid actors, and and I was very surprised by this cast. I didn't, I had no recollection that all of these people were in it. Me neither. And I was very, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see it, but also disappointed <laughs> at how they were used. For Eric Bana, this was his first American release. He had been doing some Australian films leading up to this, and he plays Hoot, who is one of the Delta Force um, people. And he was actually supposed to be Russell Crowe. He's great in this movie. He is great. He's definitely. I think he's the best person in the movie. And, you know, and, and no bones about it. Him and uh, and Josh Hartnett are really, really good in this. Yeah, you know, I, d- I didn't want to give credit to Josh Hartnett. You have to. But you have to. He does really well. And it irritated me that they weren't together. Because those scenes that they were together mm-hmm. were the best scenes in the movie. And they were brief. And they were very short, and there were not a lot of them. And yeah. I think the movie needed more of the two of them together and a lot less of the ancillary characters. But then you can't, I mean, since this is based on a true story, like you can't go that deep into that. You know, like you can't alter it too much if you're trying to keep the whole idea. Because Hartnett is the character um, where he's the person, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, I wrote him down, Sergeant Eversman, who is of the Rangers, but then you got Banna, who's a Delta Force. So they're two separate parts in the military, which I'll describe the operation when we go through the film. Um, so I feel like you can't, there's only so much you can do, though, to get them both on camera. I agree. Camera. And, and in the book, the book basically highlights over 100 different mm-hmm. soldiers, and they obviously had to whittle it down. What do they whittle it down to? 39? 39, 39 yep. And, and they did the best they could. This was, a t- this was a tough book and a tough situation to condense into something gripping and, uh, and, and concise as far as a movie would go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can understand where... I can understand where they ran into problems, but again, I they needed less characters. It it was tough to keep track of who was who, because then we're also talking about a war zone here, and you're in Somalia. 
So they didn't do the actual filming in Somalia, actually. They did the filming in Morocco. Um, the entire film was done in Morocco. But then at the same time, like you're thinking like desert operations and all of that, like it's, it's hard to see what's going on. Scott does a great job in, in filming it. But yeah, one, visually it looks okay. Yeah, but one thing that they had to do in the film that is not accurate in real life is they put the um, the soldiers' names on top of their helmets, and that is not done in real life. No. But they added that into the film actually to help the viewers in trying to remember, like, okay, who am I looking at right now? Because once you've got all the uniforms and military gear on, everyone kind of looks the same. They did. They all looked very similar, and um, there was virtually no characterization in, in any of this movie. And that's... You really, I'm going to read you part of my notes here. Okay. So here, here's my notes. They say, uh, first of all, the dialogue's not great. No. My, my, one of the first notes I have is, this dialogue is dumb. It's hard for me, and, and n- almost none of the actors there were American. Yeah. And you could tell they were trying to sound American. Mm-hmm. So it took me out of it. Um, and then some of my other notes were, there's no characterization. I don't care about any of these actors. I don't care about any of these characters. Yeah. And, uh, like, Saving Private Ryan did a good job building backstory. Mm-hmm. But, again, they had, a, they had quieter times. They had, you know, a, they had stretches of 10, 15 minutes at a time where they could develop that, whereas this movie, there's too many characters. And then most of the stuff they're saying is either giving directions to each other or some kind of random military jargon. So there's virtually no, no characterization. I do agree. I mean, you... You feel for the guys because it's a military operation and all that kind of stuff, but you don't have that emotional punch that you're, you're hoping for. No. Because this is different from other action movies we'll do uh, in here because there is this was supposed to be an action drama, and it, it definitely fails on that part of the drama. There was one scene, I can't remember who the character was because there's just so many, that they tried to do like a backstory, like he was like calling home. And the wife didn't answer the phone. Yeah. And that he left a voicemail and he ends up dying later in the film. Or he gets, he, I think he's the one that gets captured and then he gets released like months later. No, I don't. Or is he one of the ones that died? I don't even know if he died. I think he was the one, was he the one that got hurt? You know, I can't remember. I mean, there's just so much going on. It's hard remember. to tell. I don't remember. And but that was really the only attempt that they tried to do for a backstory at yeah. all. And it didn't. It just fell flat. It was just too brief, and you didn't have who, any real background. Who was the guy that got blown in half? I couldn't figure out who that was. <clears throat> I don't know. And then at that point, and then by the time they kind of gave you a quote-unquote roll call of who was left, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if who was blown up and who was just shot or yeah. missing or crushed under a building. Yeah, it was getting hard to figure those things out, which, I mean, maybe that was to show the chaos of the situation. I don't it know. It could have been. No, you know, for for a movie, though, that's hard to, to do, you know, because you need people to stay with the characters yeah. and, and be with it. But and this movie's long. It is a long movie. The, and the first 30 minutes drags really heavily because um, it's trying to set up the operation, but... Again, like that would have been a good opportunity for some of that character development. It doesn't really do that. And then the remaining two hours is is action. I had to take a break while watching the film. I like paused it. I'm like, shit, there's still an hour left in this yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. No, here. Here's my notes. Ready? <laughs> I marked in here, who was blown in half? And then my next note is, now we're in 16 minutes. Who is alive or dead? <laughs> and then my next note after that is, is this over yet? Everyone is stupid. Banna and Hartnett are gold. Music seems generic. This movie sucked. And then that was all my notes for the rest of the two and a half hours that was left. That was harsh. Well, 
sounds like what what time of day were you watching this? Was it were you getting hungry at this point too? Because you you sounded really crabby there. No, I was watching this on a weekend. Okay. Um, my youngest was taking a nap. My oldest I was, was the same thing. My, my kids yeah. were asleep. My my oldest was upstairs uh, reading a book or playing video games or Legos or something. You have no idea what your older child was doing. Oh, my wife was there. No, all right. She could, she could handle. It. He's seven. He can handle himself. He's probably He's fine. setting half the house on fire, creating his own Black Hawk Down scene. Would have been more exciting. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into the plot here. Yep. All right. So here we go. the The movie opens up. Um, showing the power of one of the major clans that seems to be kind of taking over this the civil war that's breaking up or that's going on, not breaking up. Um, and this clan's led by Muhammad Farah Adid, which is a real person. Um, and in that opening scene, you know they're taking food from civilians. Uh, the UN just drops off some food from airplanes, uh, and these militia clans start shooting uh, at the crowd, stating you know that. That this food belongs to the clan of Muhammad Farah Adid, whatever. Okay, it starts off the film, gets you kind of like a set stage and whatnot, and and ultimately this movie is about a battle that happens in October of 1993. So again, we're talking two years after the dictatorship has been overthrown, and it's it's called today is the Battle of Mogadishu, which is the capital of Somalia. Um, ultimately, the idea is it's supposed to be a targeted hit on a building where a deeds, a couple of his top lieutenants are there, and a bunch of his finances are supposed to be there as well. So there's a lot of money and, and whatnot. Um, the operation is made up of the 75th Special Ops Army Rangers and then another Special Ops team known as the Delta Force. So the Rangers, they are led by Hartnett, um, who is playing Sergeant Eversman, as we mentioned earlier. And then under him are the character or the actors of like Tom Hardy, uh, Ewan McGregor, Orlando Bloom, and then we've got the Delta Force, which is kind of led by Eric Bana. And then under him is Bill Fickner. Is that right? I said that wrong. Fickner. Fickner. Said it wrong twice now. Uh, Nikolaj, Koster, Waldorf, those people. Um, and so the plan is this, right? The Delta Force is supposed to go into the city via Humvees, which are Hummers, you know, military Hummers. They're supposed to go into the building, get the prisoners, take whatever is there that they think will help out, and then they're going to bring them back to base. The Rangers are going to get dropped off via helicopter, the Blackhawk helicopters, and then they're supposed to set like a perimeter around the four corners of the building. So once the Delta Force has come in, the Rangers are like support to make sure no one else is coming into this building while the operation is going on. And then the helicopters are supposed to remain in the air to kind of be the eyes from, you know, from the top to, to show to the Rangers what's going on. This operation was only supposed to take, I think it was 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Yeah, it's supposed to be a 30-minute deal. Um, but from the beginning, things do not go very well. So they start dropping off the rangers. You know, they're going down a rope, I believe it was, right, from the, from the helicopters. Yeah, they were, dro- they, were, they were dropping down a rope, sliding down a rope to the ground to, uh, to, to set the perimeter. Correct. And Orlando Bloom's character um, is about to go down. And an RPG, which is a rocket-propelled grenade, is getting is shot at, you know, a shot to head after the helicopter. Helicopter has to swerve out of the way, and that causes Orlando Bloom's character to fall from the helicopter all the way down to the ground. When it first happened, I thought, like, well, he's dead. That's the end of this. But apparently, you know, they, they get a rescue team there to help him and to send him back to the base. Does he end up living? They don't really... Yeah, he ends up living, and honestly, it would have been better for everybody had he died. Well, in the movie, not in real life, but, you know, not to 
person. No, I no, I agree. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. In the movie. But it is if that guy did survive that in real life, that's I mean, that was like a hundred foot drop. Well, I think he broke his neck. Still. Yeah. Like I would have I would have thought you you just you had fallen to your death. Well, he made it. He did. Um and so at this point they're forced to Well before that, hold on. So there is a part um that scene in particular with the helicopter. Yeah. Um, is actually not what happened in real life. Okay. So they had to kind of change it around a little bit. So Orlando Bloom's military guy story is a little bit different, and they don't really know what exactly happened, but they think that the helicopter never had to swerve to get away from an RPG. What ended up happening was that they saw him go down the rope, but then by the time he was on the ground, like he fell, like he was down and out. So they don't know if it was like an accident, like he just wasn't holding on tight enough or whatever it was. But the military actually does not blame the accident on the helicopter pilots themselves or them trying to get out of the way. So I, I'm curious why they decided they had to change that story a little bit. Probably to make it more sympathetic. Yeah, could As be. opposed to just one idiot not holding onto a rope. Yeah, I guess so. What made this plan fail ultimately is th- there's spies everywhere. And so immediately once they take off from the base, you know, they've got people that are reporting back. Children. Children that are reporting to a deed like, hey, there's, there's a huge operation about to take place. Get ready. And so this is what kind of has them ready for these soldiers during this operation. Um, it, they are successful in getting everyone, all the prisoners and all that, into the Humvees. And they're getting ready to take them back to the base. But then they do have an RPG it hits it, but just barely. It grazes the tail. It grazes the tail of the Black Hawk helicopter, one of them. And it is enough, though, that it causes it to crash. Yeah, they lose, down. they lose attitude control. And so at that point, they have no way to prevent themselves from just spinning in circles. Yeah. So they have to set it down. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't, it's not, any, not a safe landing. They crash. No, and it's, it's Jeremy Piven that was the pilot yes. of that first helicopter. He does die. Yes. So he gives a couple stupid snark supposed to be funny commentary pieces while he's flying and then we never see him again he's he's dead so nonetheless so now the rangers are told that they need to go to the crash site um i i'm assuming they're concerned that the people that are there in mogadishu are going to maybe steal some of the technology or take what's there they yeah, might they have to um first of all they have to secure the bodies yep and make sure they a are either dead mm-hmm um, or if they are alive, retrieve them for medical attention. Yeah. And they also retrieve the bodies because they have a no-man-left-behind policy. Yeah. And then they have to also destroy the helicopter mm-hmm. to make sure none of their technology um, or any anything that could potentially provide intelligence to their enemy falls into the enemy hands. And, and this, unfortunately, is what turns this mission like into a total shit show. Because as soon as they now have to regroup, you're, you're having the people in the city now going hostile towards this military operation, and just everything starts to, to go downhill from here. Um, the, the Humvees have to move in and out of the city, and they're trying to send support to the helicopter site, but then while they're doing that, they're getting attacked and ambushed from left and right. Well, that, people and are the dying people, like crazy. Uh, the people are, blo- are blockading the roads yep. to prevent them from getting in. Uh, and so they're just kind of having to piecemeal the rest of this mission together 
meanwhile, all of these soldiers are pinned down, taking fire, and they're divided and not within uh, in range of each other. So they're kind of having to act as their own units separately to just to maintain survival. Um, and then in the meantime, they send in more another helicopter yep. to try and help them out, and that helicopter also gets shot down. Yep. Uh, and then they have to go again. At, they have to go to that site and then secure that site and all of the, uh, uh, you know, all, all the personnel there and all the equipment as well. In the end, this operation that again was supposed to take like half an hour is a sixteen-hour endeavor, uh, sixteen or seventeen hours. Finally, though, even though at the cost of many lives, they do get back. Um, I have here 18 Americans are dead, 73 are wounded. And for the Somalians themselves, um, the numbers are kind of iffy, but they think it was around 1,000 are killed in this 17-hour battle Yeah, that's and, going on and primarily it was during that uh, airstrike. They yep. end up calling in a helicopter airstrike on, uh, on a rooftop, uh, on several rooftops, where uh, the Somalis had positioned themselves to pin down the uh, U.S. troops. And um, so they finally get what's called a, uh, a strobe on there. Mm-hmm. So it's an infrared, an infrared flash that only the night vision goggles can see. Uh, and obviously the Somalis don't necessarily have night vision goggles. So the helicopters are able to, at that point, pinpoint what they need to shoot. And they come in and just strafe the hell out of the tops of these buildings and yeah. blow away all of the Somalis. And, uh, and while all that's going on, Eric Bana is leading his team in a covert mission to... Uh, on foot to yeah. try and rescue these these soldiers. Yeah. So, and, you know, the, the movie ends, which I do not like the ending scene at all. Uh, so, eventually the UN offers support. They're actually Pakistani soldiers from the UN that are stationed um, at an arena in Mogadishu, which is where the UN has taken it over. It's kind of a safe zone of the city, because right now they're in, like, the heart of all the clan fighting and all of that. Um and so they end up, they come in with their tanks, and they're kind of supposed to escort the U.S. soldiers out of this, you know, heavily fortified territory and all that and get them back. But then, like, they kind of bailed on them a little bit. And they ended up, they kept going, and then the soldiers were forced to kind of run to the safe zone, which that did happen in real life. But what really kind of annoyed me was that when they start doing this run back to the safe zone of the city, there's like all these children that kind of show up and they're like waving the soldiers on. And yeah, they're I like understand that Clapping part. with them and, and all these other people come out in the city streets like supporting these guys. And I'm like, what? What is this? Like, I don't this understand. Is weird. I, yeah, I didn't understand that part either. I don't know why they would have like this big group of people. Outside of the military base, clapping these, and honestly, you know what I thought? I thought when they were running back, they were all going to get mowed down by, uh, mm. I, by by the Somalis. I thought they were none of them were going to make it. It ends up this end scene is heavily staged, so Scott didn't know how to end the movie. I can't imagine why that would be. <laughs> and so the event of this is actually called the Mugadishu Mile, where the soldiers do have to run back. But he thought it was kind of anticlimactic in real life. So this is where Hollywood tries to take over. And he's like, well, what, what the hell am I going to do here? So I don't know. It just it rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, with these kids out in the streets, like clapping for the soldiers as they're coming by, like they look defeated. They're bloodied. Like they're a mess. And it's like, why are you doing this? Like, why did this? And it's in slow motion, I believe, as well. Parts of it were. Yeah. It was just. It was not good. 
It was not good. No. And, and, and honestly, when you read me that death toll, mm-hmm. just based on what was in this movie, I swear it was twice that number of soldiers got shot and killed. Yeah. I mean, 73 wounded, and I mean, some of them... Yeah, I mean, yeah but it's like, at the end of the movie... You have no idea who's left alive or dead. Yeah, that's true. You know, and then they never really mention who dies. Yeah. So I have no idea. I, I think, did Jason Isaacs, he's died in the movie? I think so. I think I think he did. Was he maybe the... No, he was He was definitely was not the person that got blown in half. No, he was not. Because he showed up right after that. No. Which, I, speaking of the guy getting blown in half, special effects? Yeah. I thought they were fantastic. I agree. And this is a 17-year-old movie. This thing could have been filmed yesterday. It could have been. It was No, it was very, very good. It was fantastic for for action movie people. It was very bloody, yeah, really gory. It was. I mean, there was a scene like I'm usually pretty good with blood and gore. I had to kind of look away. Do you know what scene I'm thinking of? Uh, I'm not sure. It was the guy that got hit in the leg? They put him on that table, and yes. they tried. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they took their actual hands. Yeah, to and grab reached the... into the wound. I think they were grabbing a bullet. No, 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 no. They had to, or they're trying to re. No, they uh, had to grab his. They had to grab his artery and ugh. clamp it so he didn't bleed out, which they were unsuccessful in doing. Yeah, and then he died on the table. Yeah, and it was just a pool of blood. Like it made me woozy. Yeah, I didn't. I turned away. I'm not great with a lot of blood and gore, like real realistic blood and gore. Yeah. So yeah, I had to turn away. That and when the guy got blown in half, I turned away for a second too. Yeah, that reminded me of like a scene from Saving Private Ryan because there are people yeah. on Normandy Beach that are like half blown up because he was yeah. still alive and talking, yet he had nothing from his torso on down. No, 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 no. And then there was also the guy that had his thumb blown off. That was gross too. That was gross because it was still dangling by a thread. Yeah. So that was like, ugh. yeah. There were a couple of things that were great in this movie. The special effects were one of them, and um, and the action scenes were pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was filmed well. I mean, Ridley Scott knows what he's doing as far as filming action scenes go. Yeah. I could follow, I could follow that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a plot it had made no sense. What do you mean it made no sense? I mean, we we talked about how like okay here it made sense, but it was so convoluted and it was so confusing, and there was so much going on okay. that it was hard to follow what events were taking place. And you couldn't really, it was hard to tell what was taking place concurrently because there were so many different moving parts, like with the different teams. You couldn't tell if what was happening with Josh Hartnett's team was happening at the same time as with Eric Bana's team. Okay. So it was hard to see, like, time frame-wise, how all these things interconnected. I'll give you that, okay? Um, here we go here. So, how much... Do you know any of the data about how much the movie made in any of that? I, I do, actually, yes. All right, then I guess I can't quiz you on that then. I do have a different pop quiz, though. Do you want it? You're a little delayed on that one. Though. I am. Sorry. Let's try that again. Let's try that again. It's a, it's a new show, folks. <laughs> pop quiz, hot shot. There we pop go. Well, let's hear it twice then, since, <laughs> since we missed it the first time. Yeah, I'm bad at this. All right, keep going. All right, so Orlando Bloom is in one other movie before he's in Black Hawk Down. Do you know what it is? He's in one other movie before he's in Black Hawk Down. Mm-hmm. This was 2001. Was it a romantic comedy? Nope. It came out literally, literally two weeks before Black Hawk Down. I don't know, man. The first Lord of the Rings. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that was 2001. I guess it totally makes sense, yeah. So he would have been unknown at that point. And he does have a small role in the movie. Yeah. 
But he, you know, he's Legolas just two weeks before. Yeah, and it's he first is, time he gets exposed, and he is Legolas. I mean, yes. he is. Yeah, he's good in that movie. Man, I got him. I, did you guys, all, I, I got LPJ. That's pretty good, man. I know. I didn't think I would ever do it. No, I, I, well, I thought, I, for whatever reason, I thought Lord of the Rings was after this movie. Yeah, no, it was two weeks That's <laughs> before, crazy. which that is, is crazy. insane. So the movie took $93 million to make. That is, I think even for the year 2001, that's an expensive-ass movie. But, yeah. but it made $173 million. So it definitely, I mean, it, it did well. Doubled the profit, especially considering the atmosphere at the time. Yeah, with um, with the the towers going down then. Yeah, you know, earlier that would have been in September, th- three months before. You said this was in December. This came out in December. So three months before this movie comes out, you know, nine eleven happens. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of discussion that like this was supposed to be like a pro military movie based on you know the fact that we were now going to head into Afghanistan yeah. real life and all that. But the thing you have to keep in mind is that this movie was filmed before 9-11 happened. It was absolutely filmed, but I, I got a feeling that um, it was marketed differently. Yeah, it might have been. I don't remember how it was marketed, to be Neither honest. I. I mean, you know, there's a lot going on at that point. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, I mean, that's it's an interesting viewpoint because there, there was some articles out there that were talking about how this was possibly an anti-Muslim movie because we're talking about Somalia and that, you know, this possibly could have been propaganda and all this kind of stuff. I don't, I don't Patriotism know. was at an all-time high then. It was. Uh, especially once they kind of figured out, because by that time they really had a good scope of what was happening with 9-11 and how it came together. Um, so, yeah, yeah, this movie, I can't, th- what are the war movies came out around 2001? I can't even think. <laughs> Pearl Harbor? <laughs> oh, well, there was that. Saving Private Ryan was, what, 98? That yeah, would have been a couple years before. Yeah, before. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I have I'm no just idea. Not thinking. I don't know. Um, in terms of, in case anyone is wondering, like what happened after this battle of Mogadishu in real life, um, it was a big failure for the military, and so President Clinton uh, ends up pulling out all U.S. support in Somalia about two weeks later, and after that, we kind of left everything to the UN, which then even the UN slowly starts to pull out, and Somalia even today is a big mess. I mean, I think some of you have probably heard and seen about issues with Somalian pirates and that kind of stuff going on. And, you know, there's that movie, is it Captain Phillips, right? That's yeah, about, it's Captain Phillips. Yeah, that's Tom Hanks, you know, having his ship taken over by Somalian pirates. So things are still a mess over there, you know, and then there's the whole arena of what's going on in Africa around this time. You know, the, the Rwanda genocide is a year after and the U.S. is not involved. And maybe that's because of the events that happened here in Somalia. It could be. I mean, it really becomes uh, a big mess and it doesn't look good politically for anybody at this point. Um, nonetheless, I do have a movie question here for you. Okay. So just kind of lighten the mood as we're, we're wrapping up here. Sure. Of all of these actors that we have talked about. Yes. Who would you say is the biggest actor today? Of all the actors in this of movie? Of all of the actors in this movie. Biggest uh, physically, like gain the most no, weight, because like that'd most, probably be Tom Sizemore. Well, yeah, I, Although, no, I mean like most popular right now in 2018. Um, worldwide or just in the U.S.? Because Eric Band is a pretty big deal where he's in Australia. Is he? He's I, a, did you know he started as a comedian? No. He, yeah, he did sketch comedy. He didn't do dramas until he came here and did Black Hawk Down. I feel like that'd be horrible. He's like, he's basically like the Mike Myers of Australia. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I guess maybe I mean U.S. I don't know. All right. Um, I don't know if that changes your who you're going to say. But 
and I'm trying to figure out who biggest in terms of what. Because Glenn Morshower does a lot of stuff. He's in a ton of things, basically playing the same character. Yeah. Um, but he's still just a character actor. He is. There is someone that we mentioned who's very briefly in the film that I think, hands down, is probably the biggest. Jamie Lannister? No. I mean, Game of Thrones is huge. Yeah. I don't know who. Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah, Hardy. Har- well, Hardy's now the new. Yeah. He's the new it guy. Yeah, he is. Which he's great. I, I can't get enough of my, my, my Tom Hardy. I love me some Tom Hardy. Are, are you hard for Tom Hardy? Wow. <laughs> you kind of you walked into that one a little you bit. You son of a bitch. You haven't said no, so, <clears throat> so I'm happy I'm go. on the other side of the table for you. I had also, maybe Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Ewan McGregor is. Because you, Phantom Menace was in 99, I think. Or, Correct. Yeah, so I mean, he's in the middle of the Star Wars thing, which maybe he was the biggest. He might have been bigger than Josh Hartnett when the movie came out. I don't know. I mean, Star Wars is Star Wars. It's massive. Yeah, because I'm trying to think what else Josh Hartnett did around that time. He did like... Um, he did some comedies, didn't he? He, he did uh, romantic comedies, but then he also did... Uh, it, was a, uh, it was a Robert Rodriguez horror film that was really good, and now I'm blanking on the name of it. Anyway. Um, the, the Faculty. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was oh, really I good. I do know that movie. Yeah, yeah. Faculty is great. Yeah. Uh, Orlando Bloom was someone else, maybe. I don't know. He's kind of shifted away now, but I don't know. I yep. thought that was kind of, you know, it's it such a big cast. It was a huge like cast. Like who's kind of left. And, Too big. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it was nominated for four Academy Awards. Yep. Won two of them. Best editing and sound mixing. Um, the others it was nominated for was cinematography and director. So Scott was nominated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, the cinematography was very good, and the direction was very good in this. It was. Just not the writing. <laughs> yeah. All right, we ready for this? Our final ratings here? Our machine gun? All right, LPJ, you're first. All right, so I did not like this movie. I did not enjoy watching it. I had a hard time sitting through it. I had to take several breaks. The writing's awful. The characterization is awful. However... Directing was good. I mean, it looks like a Ridley Scott movie. Mm-hmm. The cinematography is very good, um, and the action sequences are good. So uh, I'm going to say, while it's not an entirely enjoyable movie, there's parts of it that I did enjoy watching. So for that reason, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a 1.5. What? No, I'll give it a two. I'll give it a two. We'll give it two machine guns. Damn. Yeah. I'll give it two machine two. guns just be just because it is good to look at. But it's not an enjoyable. Don't don't waste your time with it. But it is an no, enjoyable. No, 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 no. Do not listen to this man. I I gave it a three and a half. That I did. seems inflated. You know what? This podcast is about action movies. Did this movie not fulfill that for you? Was this not an action movie that had blood, guts, action throughout? Like Check- it did it, it did. it sounds to me like this movie bored you. Yes, it did. Really? Parts of this movie bored me. The like I said, the action sequences were good to look at, and that's that's but pretty much the movie. But I didn't understand what the hell was going on in them, and I didn't care about any of these characters. So when they died, it had no impact. It was basically like playing Call of Duty. What's wrong with that? Oh wow, you sir just opened up a can <laughs> of worms for our listening audience. Well, uh, that's the last time I really played video games. Call of Duty was the thing, so it just oh, tells you how out of date not, I am. I need to tell you: do not get the on Discord. Discord's gonna rip me do up. Do not huh? get on the Discord after this episode premieres. Listen, I I admit the movie had a slow start. 
it was heavy on the action, though. There's not a lot of character development. You're absolutely right there. I also didn't like there was very little perspective from the Somalians. Like, it did make them kind of look, I don't know. I didn't like that part. Okay. And that was something that was heavily debated, too, when the, when the movie came out. But again, like, it was a solid action war movie. I was nervous. I was suspenseful. Like, I wanted to know what was going to happen next. Like, I didn't know the full, I mean, I knew the full story, but nonetheless, like, I didn't know of the character, of the actors I knew were in the movie. You're right. It was tough to figure out who was who throughout the film, but then that also gave me that suspense, like, who is going to live or die by the time this movie's over? And, like, I didn't know if Eric, Eric Bana was going to live at the end or Josh Hartnett or whatever it was going to be. So that suspense, like, kept me going. It was not suspenseful because I didn't care if they lived or died. You are cold-hearted. Whatever. Well, we agree to disagree big time on this Absolutely. one. Absolutely. So, but you know what I don't disagree with you on and what you don't disagree with me on? What? That GameZilla Media is fantastic. Well, you are correct there. Yep. And and you should really visit uh, GameZillaMedia.com where you can find the information on all of the GameZilla Media products, i.e. the GameZilla Media podcast, podcast which streams live 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Mondays. Were you quizzing me there? Yes. Was that my pop quiz for me? A little me? bit. And when do they post the podcast? Tuesday. That's correct. And then we've Ooh. got Noobs and Dragons. We do, which is a one that I, I especially love. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd say I don't love all of them. I do, but the Noobs and Dragons has really gotten me into wanting to figure out more about Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. We, we should have our own. Do you want to do your own? Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, you and I. We'll talk to Craig. We'll, we'll see if Craig can, can put something together, like an action movie dungeon kind of no, that's role just, playing. No, that's just stupid. Eh. You ruined it. But The Legend of Retro isn't <laughs> stupid. The Legend of Retro is great, starring that uh, fantastic boy, uh, Little little Chops. Why is he little? He's, he's bigger than you. Yeah, but he's younger than me. All right. Craig's there, too, uh, talking about retro games, which I love. It and, is a great uh, show, too. Yep, and clean, too. So if you want to listen to something clean, there you go. And we get, and Craig also does long plays, playing Earthbound, other games. Uh, we got Gamezilla Alpha, which is a lot of uh, important gaming topics. Yes, uh, we also do inter- they do interviews as well. Which I'm getting back into video games, and I I really do enjoy the content that they're providing. Like I feel like I need to go out and buy a PS4 right now, which I kind of caused a disruption on uh, on the Discord about that. Did you see that? No, I don't pay attention when you Discord. Uh, so, so speaking of Discord and other things, uh, Patreon. We do Patreon, so go to Patreon.com/slash/GamezillaMedia. You get early access to GameZilla Alpha, plus you get behind-the-scenes content from noobs and, noobs and Dragons in the form of Behind the DM Screen, which is always entertaining. And if you like what you're listening to here, please support us. Absolutely. Visit us uh, on Facebook at Last Action Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Last Action PCast. Yeah, slightly different. But yep. Yeah. Uh, take, a, take a listen to us on all the podcast outlets like uh, iTunes and Stitcher and Podcast Addict. Google Play. Google Play. Rate us. Give us five stars, thumbs up, uh, whatever it is you need to do to uh, to uh, support the show. We appreciate it. And uh, as always, you can visit us at GameZillaMedia.com and find out more about the shows there. Uh, but in the, uh, I, think we're, I think we're done with this show. What do you think? Yeah. So, this podcast has been terminated. But don't worry. We'll We'll be be back. back.